0: Turn with me, please, in the Scriptures to two openings, Philippians 4 and 1 Peter 5. We were on a series for a while called No Worries. Anybody remember that? And we were looking at how the Lord told us not to worry, and then we were pondering when the Lord said it so clearly, don't worry. Why? So many people still worry. <laughs> and so then we're looking at how to stop it. Right? How to do what he told us to do. Do you think we should take the Lord seriously when he tells us not to worry? Or should we just, you know, acknowledge, well, we, we can't help it. You know, that's just something everybody does. Or should we take him seriously? We should. And besides that, worrying all the time is not a happy life. And it's hard on your body. And it's hard on your friends and your relationships. (laughs) Philippians 4. Then we're going over to 1 Peter 5. These have been our, our main texts in this series. And I'm excited about this tonight. I believe there are some real answers That we're going to get to. Philippians 4.4. He said rejoice in the Lord. Always. You know that would include when you don't feel like it. And again I say. Rejoice. Let your moderation. Other translations say your sweet. Reasonableness. (laughs) Be known to all men. Should people find you easy to get along with. They should. The Lord is at hand. Now notice this, be careful for nothing. Now that means full of care, full of anxiety. Don't be full of anxiety about anything. Does that cover everything? Be careful for nothing. Then what is it okay for us to be full of anxiety about? He's told us, be careful for nothing. So there's no exceptions to this. The reason I say that is because your mind will say, "Yeah, but it's my kids." And many have thought, "Well, you know, if you don't worry, you don't care." But no, worrying doesn't prove you care. It just proves you don't have faith. I'm gonna say that again, real slow. (laughs) Worrying doesn't prove you care because if you really cared, you would discipline yourself to do something that would help. Not do something you know is not going to do anybody any good. Even make it worse. Worrying or taking care doesn't prove you care. It just proves you don't have faith. Keep reading. He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, some things are better felt than telt. <laughs> <laughs> some things is beyond explaining, and the peace of God is one of them. You cannot find this in a bottle. Or a pill, or a syringe, or on a huge shopping excursion, or a magnificent vacation. You cannot find this in any physical, natural, material thing. It is the peace of God, His own peace, and it passes understanding. Oh, somebody say, Thank you, Lord, Lord. for your peace. Now he's saying we can have this instead of being full of care and anxiety about these things. Keep reading. He said, The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are Lovely, whatever things are of good report. Everybody say, good report. report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Peace and fear are a choice. Because they are the result of what you think on. And we are in control of what we think on. So if a person, you, me, any of us, are full of fear, it's our fault and responsibility because whether ignorantly or not, we chose to think on that that would put fear in us. When we could have chosen to dwell on that that would put peace in us. And the scripture says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Is it possible to get a hold of yourself and change the channel and quit focusing on this and quit talking about this and start talking about this and focusing on this? It is. So I know many people don't believe it, but it's still true. Faith and fear are a choice. Therefore, you know, anxiety and peace are a choice. Depending on what we think on. Romans says to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it matter what you think on? How much does it matter? According to Romans, it's a matter of life and death, what you think on. Most people don't believe that, but the Bible's still true. Go with me to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5 and 6. 1 Peter 5 Aren't we thankful for the Word of God? It is the inspired, inerrant, eternal, perfect Word. Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, you know, there's errors in there. No, there's giant holes in your understanding. (laughs) I don't think I ever said that quite like that before. (laughs) Better hold on tonight. Who, who knows where we're going to wind up at. But, and we're hearing from him, are we? When we read this, are we hearing from him? 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care. Now the, Again, this is what we'd call anxiety. All your anxiety. On him, Why don't you think about that for a moment? Have you ever had any anxiety? No need to raise your hand. I know. <laughs> I know you have. Well, is it possible when you are experiencing this anxiety to take that anxiety and throw it on the Master? Is that possible? Well, what did He say? Casting. We might say throwing. Casting, throw it off of you. Is it possible to do this? Yes. The word's true, it has to be. Casting all your care on him, why? Because he doesn't want you oppressed like that. He cares about you. And one of the big reasons why people continue to worry is because they're trusting in their self instead of him. Keep trying to act like they can fix it when they can't. There are so many things in life we need to acknowledge quickly. This is beyond us. And so instead of just going day and night and worrying about it and getting sicker and more oppressed and more upset, we need to give it to somebody who can do something about it. Because we can't. It's too big for us. But if you're still worrying about it, you still got it. You're still acting like You can fix it. And it can be like flypaper. You might know what flypaper is. Thankfully we don't see a whole lot of it anymore. (laughs) Back when I was a little boy. Back in the uh, deep south. And we didn't have air conditioning. Oh man. The flies could be bad. And and so they have these little strips of stuff. Sticky stuff on it. Nasty stuff. and, And the flies would light on it and stick. And they couldn't get away. And, and this anxiety, worry can kind of be like that. I mean, you, you got some and, you, and if you're a Christian and you know the word and you were here at Faith Life Church and heard these things and you think, well, I'm not supposed to have this. I'm, I got to give this to the Lord. And so you, you hear, Lord, hear, Lord, and praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And you look down and go, oh, no, it's still there. <laughs> get, that, get that off of me. Uh, the enemy is a persistent cuss. He will bring it back to you. Bring it back to you. Bring it back to you. And what should you do? Throw it off. Throw it off. Throw it off. Never just let it sit on you. Never just worry and and yield to the fear and anxiety. Keep reading. He said, casting all your care on him. Can you do it? People of God, is it possible for you to cast all your anxiety over on him? It is possible, and he wants you to because he cares about you, and he doesn't want you to go through the torment, and really, a lot of these things are tastes of hell on earth. The vexation and the torment of worry and full-blown panic and anxiety and fear, it is actually a taste of the environment of hell. It's part of what makes hell, hell. And why would we endure that when we got somebody that cares about us and has made a way for us to be free of it and experience, instead of this, the peace that passes. All understanding. Somebody say, I'll take the peace. I'll take take the peace. (laughs) Give him the care. He can do something about it. You take the peace. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, verse 9, whom resist, isn't that what we're talking about right now, resist it, resist it, steadfast, in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, one of the things the devil tells you to try to get you to worry is that nobody's going through what you're going through. Nobody's ever been through such a horrible thing. Lies, lies, lies. The same afflictions are being accomplished in your brethren in the world. Now the scripture tells us that we are not ignorant of his devices. And notice in this same passage talking about casting your care on him, it refers to the enemy seeking whom he may devour. And this is part of it. Part of the way he destroys people, is through this fear and worry and anxiety. Go to Hebrews, if you would, with me. Hebrews, the second chapter. Hebrews 2 and 14. Hebrews 2, 14 says, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, talking about Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Did he do it, saints? Did he do it? He he did it. Verse 15, and deliver them, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now this deals directly with worry, because worry care, anxiety, are all different degrees of fear. That's what it is. And it's fear of loss. Now there's all different ways to describe that, but that's what it boils down to. So then the greatest fear is fear of irrecoverable loss. Fear of losing what can never be regained. And people who don't know the Lord and are not walking in the light and freedom of this, they will experience this fear, this anxiety. When it comes to death, people just collapse. People have breakdowns. People are so... Uh, marred and and distorted that they are not able to go on and function normally in life when someone dies close to them. Why? Because in their mind they have lost that which they can never again have. Never again recover. But it's a lie. I said it's a lie. No. No. If your people are believers, if your friends are believers, if your family are believers that die, you'll see them again soon. I mean, if you live another 50 years, 75 years, it's going to go by so quick. Next thing you know, you'll be there, you'll see them. They'll go, wow, you're already here? (laughs) I'm talking about if you live for many decades. Because with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. And people that are with Him are experiencing time with Him. So dying is not irrecoverable loss. And so dying is not the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Are you a believer, child of God? Dying is not the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Because to die is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better than being here. Now, that doesn't mean you try to see how quick you can check out now and leave. Because there's a reason why you're here, you got a job to do, right? And don't go leaving early and leave your work for us to do. Come on, you need to pull your weight, run your race, finish your course. Then when you and the Lord are good and ready for you to go, you go the right way. The right way. There's a right way to go. There's a wrong way to go. There's a right season to go. And there's a wrong season to go. You can go early. You can go wrong. Now That doesn't mean you lost. The Lord still loves you. But you were robbed of years you could have had. And that means reward you could have had if you're working for the Lord. Doing what he wants you to do. How is the enemy able to devour and to destroy? And how is that connected with care? And we read this, this is all in the same passage in 1 Peter 5. Cast all your care upon him. And just a couple of verses later, he's talking about the devil seeking whom he may devour. What determines whom he may devour? And who he may not? What's the difference? (laughs) What's the difference? Does it have anything to do with this fear and this care? Yes, it does. Go with me, if you would, in the Scriptures to Genesis 37. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what, do it this way. Hold your place in in Genesis. Put on the screen for us, please, Proverbs 15, 30. Let me introduce this with this. You're going to Genesis 37. This Scripture says, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. You know, Jesus went into some detail talking about how if your eyes are on the right thing, your whole body's full of light. He gave several verses talking about this. Does not matter what you look at? Yes. Not just physically, but we already talked about the scripture says we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal, temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. How do you look at things that are not seen? With your heart and your mind. It's your focus of what you're thinking on. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. You can tell if you're looking at the right thing or wrong thing by what it's doing to you. By the effect it's having on you. I mean, if it's stealing your joy and your peace, if it's oppressing you, you're looking at the wrong thing. Somebody say, yeah, but it's what I'm dealing with. You're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, but it's what's happening. You're looking at the wrong thing. If you're looking at the right thing, help me out, it's going to rejoice your heart, right? You're looking at the right thing, the good thing, It's light, and light is life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It'll minister to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8 says. Yeah, but this is that. You're looking at the wrong thing. I know it's there, but do you want to come out or do you want to perish in this? Who does the enemy get to devour? Who and why? Look at this next part. A good report. Somebody say good report. Good report. report. Now here's an amazing thing. Makes the bones fat. Now when the Bible is using a parable, it uses different language or a simile. This is not a parable. The Bible said also in the Proverbs, a merry heart. Does good like a medicine. That means it has a similar effect to a natural medicine. This says a good report can affect your bones. Well that's a parable. It's not a parable. Parable uses different language. Well, let me read to you some highly regarded translations. The NIV is a highly regarded one. It says good news gives health to the bones. The complete Jewish Bible says good news invigorates the bones. It affects marrow. It affects blood cell production. It affects bone density. It affects The bone. What affects the bones? A what? Good report. What if you've been having bone problems? Need to find you a good report. Is that right? You need to find you where might I find this good report? Oh, there's a book. There's a book. Hallelujah. That is inspired. Words of life. This is not just philosophy. This is not just moral education. This is from the one who said light be. When he says something it's never just communication. There's no word of God, the scripture says, that's void of power. When he says something His commands are not just instruction. They are enabling. His commands are empowerment. Before he told you to do it, you couldn't do it. But the moment he tells you to do it, you can. Because the enablement is in the word. Do you remember when they were out on the lake in the storm? And Jesus comes walking on the water. And they saw him and they were amazed. And Peter said, if that's you, bid me to come. What did the Lord tell him? Come. Come. What was in that word? It's obvious. Peter stepped out of the boat and began to come to him. He couldn't have done that before. But when the Lord told him, come, there was power. Can you see power in that? Enablement in that. There is power in the good report to change your bones. If it'll change your bone, it can change soft tissue too. right? It can change your nerves. it can change your organs, it can change your glands. Proverbs also says his word is medicine. Is that right? To those that find life to those that find it? and, and health are medicine to all their flesh, flesh. Now, if that's true, a good report is that powerful, what about a bad report? Does a bad report have effect? Yes, Yes, it does. Go with me to Numbers, the 14th chapter. And uh, I hadn't forgot about Genesis, but (laughs) Numbers, actually 13, Numbers chapter 13, when God delivered his first covenant people out of Egyptian bondage and brought them to the border of the land they were to possess. They sent spies in to see what it was, who was there, what was there. And the Lord had told them, I've given you this land. But they came back and when they gave a report of what they saw, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, oh, it's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. It's got everything. And the Lord's with us. We can get it. Ten of the twelve said no way, no how. There's giants. There's walled cities. There's no way. These guys are huge. We're like grasshoppers to them. Now that's what they thought. That's what they believed. But they were wrong. When they entered in under Joshua's leadership 40-some years later, they found out they were scared of them. You know, Rahab told them the fear of them had fallen on all the people. God had prepared the way for them to come in. But the scriptures said the ten brought up an evil report. Everybody say evil report. Evil, evil report. Of the land, let me read this to you. This is Numbers 14, excuse me, 13, 13:30. When they're giving the report, Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Numbers 13:30. He said, "Let's go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it." This is how faith talks. They saw the same thing. They saw the same land. They saw the same walls, same giants, same cities. One of them's talking like this, the other's talking completely different. Let's go up at once, possess it. We're well able to overcome it. But the men that went with him said, We'd be not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. He said, We can do it. They said, We can't. Why is this in the Bible? It's referred to numerous times in the New Testament. This is one of the greatest illustrations of faith and unbelief. They saw the same thing. Now, most of the people didn't see what they're seeing. The 600, 3,550 soldiers, plus the women, plus the children, plus the older people, there's probably at least a couple of million people. Twelve of them saw the land. Now, the rest of the two million are hearing and deciding what they believe and what they're going to do based on two reports. A good report, it's a good land. Oh, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. They got grapes so big, clusters it takes two men to tote them. Oh, you ought to see the figs. Oh, you ought to see this. Oh, you ought to see the water. Oh, you ought to see, oh, you ought to see And God is with us. We can do this thing. Let's go. Somebody say good news. news. Or gospel. Good news. Good news is actually good report. It could be translated good report as well. Then there was another report. No. No. Oh yeah. It's got some nice fruit and stuff. But. And here I want you to notice the word evil report is the same word is also translated slander. Why would it be? They slandered the land. They slandered and changed what God said. They said, no, uh uh, we can't. We can't do it. They're too big. The giants are too big. We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. And they brought up a what? Evil report of the land. Now let me just stop right here. Was it true that there were big people in the land? Was it true that there were giant walled cities? Was it true? But it's still evil report even though it's true. It was an evil report. Why? Because it's slandering what God said. It's disrespectful. And this is where the warfare occurs. Hold your place right here. Hold your place in Genesis. Well, actually, you don't have to hold it. They'll put it on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. He said, Though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Keep going. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's accurate to say fleshly. They're not fleshly. But they are mighty. They're real and they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? Verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that does what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So somebody say every thought, every, every thought. This is spiritual warfare. This is, this is the, the core of it. And this determines who the enemy is able to devour. What's the warfare over? What if you lose the battle and you get destroyed? It was because you or I allowed some imagination, some idea, some report to replace what God told us. To replace and supplant what He said and and not realizing how arrogant these things are it's exactly like what happened with adam and eve god told them don't eat of the tree knowledge of good and evil because in the day you do you'll die then the enemy comes along he's got a different report is that right he's got a different report he said did god say that Then he says, you won't really die. A completely opposite report. You won't. And they let that evil report, which is slandering what God said. Come on, can you see that? It said, no. How do you explain that? God said, you'll surely die when you eat of the fruit. He said, no, you won't. How do you explain that? How do we explain that? Yeah, but God said, Yeah, but you won't. How many know it was time? It was time to stand up on the inside. And say, so say, what? 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 It's time to do some slap down. Thank you. you. Casting that. Slap it down. You said, you said, what did you say? What did you say? God said that's the report and whether they knew it or not it was a good report that keep you out of trouble keep you in the garden keep you free, keep you safe and here he comes up with this no, he got another report and here's the thing even though you see it You feel it, it's real, doesn't make it true and doesn't make it God's report. But you can tell what place you give a report by its impact on you, by its effect on you, can't you? I had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's healing school for a number of years. And a number of the people that came there were people that were had received bad reports from the tests that were done by the doctors in the hospitals. And uh, we are not opposed to doctors and nurses and medicine. We thank God for doctors and nurses and medicine hospitals. There are some outstanding people in this field who know God and are led by the Spirit. I just, We had a testimony just the other day. A surgeon who's top in his field sent in a testimony to us, wanted us to know that he'd been feeding on our materials and took a case that nobody would operate on. And God showed him how to do it. And they have—they—they lived and recovered. Hallelujah! Now that's who you want in the operating room. Is that right? He prayed in tongues the night before. Woo! <laughs> you don't want to imply any kind of disrespect for somebody like that. But at the same time, you got to remember—I don't care who they are and what field they are—they're men. They don't know everything. Whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a, um, um, some kind of specialist in this area or, that, or a doctor or whatever, they're telling you what they see, what they hear, what they know, what their experience is, what they learn from textbook or a class, and it is severely limited knowledge. That's right. And it should not be your final answer. Amen. Your final authority. Now, I'm not talking about arguing with people. You go to somebody to help you, and they endeavor to help you. You should thank them for helping you. But if you don't like the prognosis, when you leave the office, don't cause the doctor any trouble, but you, you go home. And you ask the Lord. You say, "Now, Lord, what do you say about this?" I don't know if you heard that or not. Come on, you. You say, "Lord, what do you say? What do you say about this?" Because I don't care how bad a report you got. God has a good report. Come on, God. Has a good report. A good report. He has a way out. He has a way of escape. All things are possible with God. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. That means what men think is impossible is actually possible. Things happen every day and night that experts don't understand. Right. You would not be the first, <laughs> and you won't be the last. But you got to make up your mind. What report am I allowing in my heart? What report am I laying hold of? There's a you will be dead likely in three to six months. That's a bad report. There's another report over in Psalm 91. It says, well, long life, I'll satisfy, show you my salvation. Which one carries more weight in your heart and in your life? Which one will you focus on? Which one will you let in you? I've seen it over and over. When people get a bad report. Well this is stage such and such cancer. This is AIDS. This is such and such. I have seen. Because I, I dealt with this. Brother Hagen's ministry extensively. I've seen people. The, the color drains out of their face. I've, I've, I've seen hope leave people's minds and they think well this is it but they didn't say it and you see people get quiet You see people get quiet and when people get quiet like that they won't be around much longer and if you're a Christian that ain't the end of the world that's not the worst thing ever happened to you you'll depart and be with Christ which is far better But, could it have been different? Is God able to do things that men don't think is even possible? Is he or not? But you can't accept the bad report as the final authority. You can't accept, I don't care who the experts are, and we're not knocking them at all, they're just telling you what they see. They're telling you they can't fix it. Well, you shouldn't be too shocked. Men can't fix much. Thank God for what they can do, right? But you better not put all your faith in men because it's too quick that they look at you and say, "I'm sorry. There's nothing more that I can do." Now what? You're done. Or are you? No. <laughs> oh well, y'all are getting too quiet. Is this applicable or not? Are we talking about anxiety? Are we talking about worry? Yes. Are we talking about fear? Yes. yes. So what should I do? What you should not do is hear a bad test result. Hear a bad prognosis. Hear a hopeless comment from your attorney. Hear a hopeless report from this one or that one in that whatever field you're talking about. And just go, huh, I guess that's it. If you accept it, two million people, two reports, what most of them go with? They heard the ten spies saying, there's no way. There's no way. We can't do it. And so the whole mass of the people went back to their tents and cried all night long. We can tell how much impact the report had on them By how it affected them. They let this right into their heart. And they believed it. And this is it. Was it the end? Was it hopeless? The next generation went in. And took it. God helped them. God wanted to help this generation. But they chose the wrong report. They chose to believe the wrong thing. They chose to look at the wrong thing. What will a good report do for you? Come on, help me out. It'll, it'll make your bones fat. Is that right? What would a bad report do for you? Well, you know, the scripture talks about uh, Mary Hart does good like a medicine, but the rest of that verse talks about a broken spirit. It dries out the bones. So just like the good is true, the bad is true, it matters what we listen to and look at and let into us and receive and accept. Well, that's it. The more you, more faith you develop, the more you walk with the Lord, you learn that a lot of what people say just doesn't matter, yeah. including experts. Because we have somebody else that we check in with. And when he tells you something, it doesn't matter what the experts say. Or the little spurts. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But it's a choice. Look with me in Genesis. You still have that? I know by the Spirit there are a number of people under the sound of my voice tonight that have received bad reports. And there are people who will watch this later who have received bad reports. And I'm excited because you're going to get a hold of a different report from the Lord. From the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there are people, more than one, more than two or three that uh, I'm confident Will live and, and not die young and not die early. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> that will recover that were thought to be impossible for them to recover. I know of numerous people. Had You know, I had the privilege of working in that healing school for a number of years. I, I know of people today that were supposed to have been dead 40 years ago, still alive today. <laughs> now, come on, think about it with me a little bit. All you got to do, all it takes is a little change. Somebody says, "Yeah, but they said, yeah, but what do do they know everything?" Read between the lines too. Eighty percent, forty percent, ninety percent. Well, that means ten percent make it. You might as well be one of them. Somebody's got to be part of the ten (laughs) percent. And that's on a projection of what? Everybody is different. Everybody's body is different. Every case is different. And all it has to happen is a little tweak of God's power and you just stop getting worse. Well, now you've got all kind of time. If you just stop getting worse, even if you're not in good shape, but you stop getting worse. Mm-hmm. How much time you got to get a hold of it and get it fixed? And then if you just start getting a little better, well, you're not on the be dead soon clock anymore because you're <laughs> right. You're going the other way. Yes, Come on, can you see this? <laughs> Actually, I, I've done this with people before. I was a a man who, who sent word when I was working there at, at Brother Hagen's ministry, who was in terrible, terrible way, and he was in so much pain and in such a bad shape, they said, you know, he just had uh, days, maybe, to live, maybe weeks, and so much pain he just they had to keep all keep him under all these drugs. And when you're in that much pain, you can hardly hear anybody talk to you, or you know, and your mind's so foggy with drugs and so I went to him and as I'm going there I asking the Lord, What do I say to him? What do I say to him? And I got there and he was in such a bad way, he could hardly even hear what I'm saying. And and the Lord quickened me. I just grabbed his hand and I said, Brother, do you believe? Scripture says if any two of us agree is touching anything we ask, it'd be done for us. Do you believe that you and I could pray and you wouldn't get worse? every day, every day he's been getting worse, 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 worse. He looked at me through tears. He said, uh, uh that's it. You know, the Bible said according to your faith. said, so Why didn't you just pray for him to jump out of bed? The Spirit of God didn't quicken to me that that's where his faith was. And how many times did the Lord tell us according to not what God can do, according to where your faith is. Faith comes by hearing. And so I, I talked to him just a little bit about I believe, I knew he'd been getting worse every day, but you know I, I believed the Lord could touch him and help him, and tomorrow he wouldn't be worse. So I said, well that's, is that a big deal? If it's you, it's a big deal. I came back the next day. What do you think? What do you think? He wasn't any better, but he wasn't any worse. And he was, he was still in a bad way, but he he managed to smile through it because there's a glimmer of hope here. Come on, can you see this? That we, uh, and 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 see what I just got through saying, if you just don't get worse, how much time you got now? Somebody needs to hear this. Come on. If you just stop getting worse, how much time you got now? You could have a lot of time. I said, I believe you can be a little better tomorrow. Well, we're encouraged now. We saw we saw. answers, right? He was a little better. And the next day I went for several days. Well, by the end of four or five days, he's, uh, he, he's still in the bed, but he's not delirious with pain. You can have a conversation with him. He was rejoicing. I said, man, we just, you know, we just keep doing this, you know. The, the Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. And if you've lost a bunch of ground, you don't have to take it all back in one fell swoop. You can take it back at a piece at a time. You take it back according to your faith. So I was busy for a few days, and I came back by the scene, and they said, Oh, he's gone. They released him, he's home. <laughs> That's not dead, right? Is that amazing? Or? And people say, "Well, we don't understand it." I mean, that's a strange, but you know, these strange things happen. Yeah. If you look a different direction, Amen. if you don't just accept the bad report and say, "Well, that's it. That's that's the final authority. That's that's the end of it." No. There's another report. I said there's another report. Hallelujah. (laughs) Look in Genesis. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you just stop getting worse, you're off the death clock. (laughs) The death march is stopped. You stopped it and now... Maybe you're not having fun. Maybe you're not feeling good, but you're not getting worse. Amen. And so you can get this thing headed the other way. And even if it takes you a while. But you can't dwell on the bad report. And you can't focus on what's wrong. That's right. It's not your job Amen. to fix what's wrong. Yeah, but I got this, but I got this, but I got this cancer, but I got this. It's not your job to fix that. You can't fix that. Your job is to believe God. Trust Him. Look to Him instead of that. If you fixate on that, the Bible said to be naturally fleshly minded is death. Let's go minister death to you. If you fixate on what's wrong, the enemy will, will feed thoughts to your mind. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And without realizing it, you'll start to expect it to get worse. That's what fear is. Yeah, but it's got to change. It's got to change. There's no faith in it's got to. It needs to. It's got to. There's no faith in those no statements. Y'all with me, friends? Don't got to. People die every day. And first thing, throw that fear of death away. Dying's not the worst thing that ever happened to you. Just a little while longer, all of us are going to die. Right? Nobody stays down here very long. But we don't have to die early. We don't have to leave early. Look at this. Genesis 37. Verse 32, this is what, when Joseph was a boy and he went out to see his brothers and they hated him so much because of his dreams and because his father treated him as a favorite and they wound up selling him as a slave to a caravan going to Egypt. And so what are they going to do? Because he's not going to come home. So they took his coat of many colors that his father gave him special coat and ripped it apart and put blood on it to show their dad and say what do you think happened well some you know there were wild animals everywhere and something got him they sent the coat of many colors they brought it to their father they said we found this know whether it be your son's coat or no And uh, he knew it, he recognized it, he said, it's my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt ripped into pieces. Did you hear that phrase? Joseph is without a doubt ripped to pieces, rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes. He put sackcloth on his loins. He mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, I'll go down to my grave to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Was Joseph dead? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. But his father went through years of agony and vexation. And anxiety. Because he, was the coat real? Was the coat real? Yes. Was it really ripped apart? Yes. Was there real blood on it? Yes. Yeah. Was Joseph dead? No. no. But his father said, without a doubt. Why without a doubt? Why without a doubt? Let me contrast this with a very different outcome. The scripture said in 1 Samuel 30, we won't go there, but 1 Samuel 30, David and his men had been away on campaign. They came back home to Ziklag and it was burnt to the ground. Their wives were gone, their kids were gone, all their livestock, all their possessions, and their house was a pile of ashes. Everybody's family, everybody was gone. And, the, and these are Men of courage and valor. I mean, these are giant fighters. (laughs) These are amazing men. And the Bible said they cried until they couldn't cry anymore. And the men were so upset, they talked about stoning David. You know, when people are hurt, they want to blame somebody. Well, you got evidence. Is this a bad report looking you in the face? You lost your wife. You lost your kids. You lost everything you got. Your house burnt to the ground. But David did an amazing thing. He looked to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How are you going to do that? You read some of the Psalms, you'll see some of it in there. Soul, <laughs> why are you despairing and despondent? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Then he inquired of the Lord. Somebody say, inquired of the Lord. He's got a bad report looking him right in the face. But he didn't just say, okay, this is the end. He said, Lord, how about this? And the Lord gave him another report. Oh, somebody say a different report. A different report. He said, get up go after them. You'll find them. You will recover everything. That's a good report. You will recover everything. Woo! Somebody say, you will recover everything. You'll recover all. You'll recover everything. Now what's, what's David looking at? He's looking at loss. Is that right? He's in everybody's mind, they're looking at death. They're assuming most of these people are probably dead. Maybe they kept a few slaves. You don't know. And this kind of thing, people die. Your house is burned down. All you, Everything you've accumulated for decades is gone. And the people you love the most are gone. You don't know whether they went north, south, east, or west. Or how long they've been gone. You're looking at a bad report. But he had the faith to say, why are you cast down, Oh my soul? Why are you so dejected and hopeless? You know the creator of the heavens and the earth. Why don't you ask him about this? Oh, come on. Why don't you ask him? So he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord gave him a different report. He said, get up, boy. Go after it. Somebody needs to hear that. Get up. Yeah, but they said. Yeah, but they this. And so I've just been waiting to die. I know. Quit it. Get up. Right? And go after it. And you can recover all. Is it possible to get it all back? Get it all back. Get it all back. Get your health all back. Get your money back. Get it back. Get your peace back. Get your freedom back. Hallelujah. The Lord said, you will recover all. And so he did. And he must have gave a good speech because these men were talking about stoning him. And within a few minutes or whatever it was, they decided, okay, we'll go. He said, I've heard from the Lord. I got a different report. The Lord said, we can get it all back. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Isaiah, anybody heard Isaiah? The scripture says, who has believed I report. Isaiah 53, 1. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The power of God is manifested to those that believe the Lord's report. But if you let some other report take precedence, you let it exalt itself over the knowledge of God and tell you you can't because of this test or because of this previous experience with other people or because of this David's looking at smoldering ashes Joseph's daddy looked at that coat and believed a lie it was real but his conclusion is totally wrong and his hopelessness and his vexation and grief for years was totally wrong in vain and unnecessary. He didn't have to go through any of that. If he had inquired of the Lord, could the Lord have told him, "No, he's alive"? But you got to be willing. The Bible said, "Ask; it'll be given to you. Seek; you'll find. Knock; it'll be open to you." You got to be willing to not just let this be your final report, your final thought. Oh, well, that's it. That's it. So and so said. The attorney said. The government said. The doctor said, so and so said. Yeah, but who are they? That's Thank God for them, but they ain't God. Right. Is that right? Amen. Maybe they know a few things, but we know somebody. That's right. That's right. Oh, we know somebody right. <laughs> who knows it all. That's right. Hallelujah. And he will give you what you need Amen. in your time of need. Yeah. It'll quicken you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say, this is not the end. This is not the end. <laughs> no, this is not the end. Got to decide which word you're going to listen to. Which word you're going to let in you. Look with me in the book of Acts. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The same one, the one that believes a report, will see the power of God manifested. Look with me in, in Acts, Acts 27, glory to God. The Lord never told you that you wouldn't have any attacks. He never told you that you wouldn't have anything to overcome. How can you be an overcomer unless you come over something? Right? <laughs> How can you be more than a conqueror unless there's something to conquer? He didn't tell you you'd never have to deal with anything. He told you. He'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. And if you hold on to Him, trust Him, do what He says, He'd always cause you to triumph. Did He tell us that or not? Now that, that's a good report right there. That's a report to hold on right there because if something's telling you you ain't gonna win this one, you said no. Hold on, I got another report. I got another opinion. I got another report. What? The Lord said He's gonna cause me to try Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, but He He said He said He said. He said yeah, but now 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 you got to decide. Uh uh-uh, oh, that's it's time for a slapdown. Is that right? Because you are exalting your knowledge. Above his. Time to slap it down. (laughs) Acts 27. Paul. Has been arrested. Put in chains. For preaching the gospel. And has been sent now. To Rome. Where he's going to preach. To uh, kings. And people in authority. He's already preached to some kings. But he's going to go, go up even higher. But. They didn't listen to him when he told them that they shouldn't leave port, and they are in a typhoon, they're in a hurricane, and they've been in this for days. And the Bible said in Acts 27, 20, when neither sun nor stars in many days, somebody say many days, many days. Acts 27, 20. Neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. No small tempest lay on us. That means it was a big tempest. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I want you to read that phrase, all hope. That we should be saved. That we, we includes him. Right? All hope was gone. You've been out here. Day after day after day, there came a point where they threw the cargo of the ship overboard. How many know it's getting serious when you throw, this is what you get paid for, to deliver? Then they threw the tackling of the ship. This is what you need to run the ship. They threw it overboard. Why? Doing everything they can to make it another few hours. They think they're going down any moment. This went on for days and it got to the point where nobody on board thought we're making it out of this. All hope. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. He said, sirs, you should listen to me. <laughs> and not loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Man, there's a, there's a big lesson here. Can you endure some hardship because other people didn't listen to God? Yes, you can. But God will take care of you, even even though that happens. Verse 22, now I exhort you to do what? Why would you cheer up? Be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but we're going to lose the ship. This is a good report. Is this a good report? All hope was gone. This reminds me of, of Romans 4, where it talks about Abraham. Against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. It said he considered not his own body Now dead, he's a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at unbelief. Did He he had to choose, didn't he, what I believe. Every day of his life, he's got his old body in front of him. He's got Sarah's old body in front of him. She couldn't conceive when she was 20. Everything's telling him. How many understand, if they'd have gone to a clinic, (laughs) right? Why are y'all here getting a checkup? Why? Well, we're getting ready to have a baby. Uh-huh, Would they have given them a report? Yeah. What would the report have been? <laughs> not going to happen, right? Now, Not going to happen, but the Lord had told him something else. The Lord had told given him a different report. told him it would happen. And so because he had that report, he did not accept what other people told him, what he felt, what he saw. And against hope, where there was no reason to hope, expect it to happen, he had expectation anyway, and called those things that be not as though they were, and was fully persuaded that what God had said, he was able to perform. So here Paul has heard from God on this ship. Does it pay to inquire of the Lord when you get a bad report? Oh, child of God, that's the first thing you ought to do. Bad report about your money. Bad report about your body. Bad report about your child or grandchild. Bad report. Bad report. What do you do? You don't just say, well, that's it. Is this the final word? Did it come from men? Then it couldn't be the final word. They don't know much. They're not God. What should you say? Okay, Lord, I heard that. What do you say? Inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do you say about this? He will quicken something to you from this book. He will quicken something to you by his spirit that's in line with this. And oh, it'll be a good report. It'll be a good report. It'll be, you can recover all. It'll be, nobody's going to die on this boat. Come on, y'all listening. Where did Paul get that? He got that from the Lord. He got that straight from the Lord. Because he inquired of the Lord. Ask, you'll receive. Seek, you'll find. Lord, what do you say? What do you say about this? And notice, notice the word to him that caused him to be so bold about saying this. He said, be of good cheer, verse 22. There will be no loss of any man's life among you. That's a big statement. How can you say that? Because he heard from the Lord. For there stood by me this night The angel of the Lord. Angel of God. The God whose I am. The God whom I serve. He said, I belong to God and I serve God. Hallelujah. And he's inquiring of the Lord about this situation and the Lord sent an angel to him and told him, fear not Paul. Is this a good report? You can tell us a good report. If it was a bad report, you might start out by saying, be afraid, be very afraid. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad news coming. No, what? Don't be afraid. I got a good word for you. I've come from the good God who sits on the good throne. And he sent me with a good word to you. Now, this is in the middle of a hurricane. I mean the boat's going up and it's going down. Waves <laughs> are crashing over the side, the wind's blowing 100 miles an hour. in the middle of this. He said, "Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all them that are sailing with you. Well, they didn't know how glad they were to be that this preacher is on board obviously Paul had asked for them too. Lord, not just saving me, but Lord, I want to see all these folks saved. And God said, yeah, we can arrange (laughs) that. God's given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Cheer up. Cheer up. That's evidence you've stopped believing the evil report. It's evidence you're believing a good report. You're believing a different report. You're expecting something else. If you got no joy, no peace, you're convinced of the bad report. You're expecting the bad report to come to pass. If you are convinced of a good report, you cheer up, even in the middle of a hurricane. Cheer up. He's telling them, cheer up, boys. Cheer up, cheer up. You're not dying out here. Is that good news? Yes. Is that good news? Yes. I believe God, it shall be, even as it was told me. It's going it's to happen just like God told me. And it did. Boat came apart. They all hit the water, holding on to planks and boards and boxes. And every one of them made it alive to the island. Amen. In the middle of a hurricane, well, somebody say glory to, God. glory to God. And then they built him a fire to warm up. And a great big poisonous viper comes out and nails Paul. But he's already got the good report. He shook it off. And, and the indication is that, you know, no big deal. Shook it off. Why? Why? I've already heard from God. I got a report. I can't die out here in this storm. I got an appointment in Rome. Right? Well, when the snake bites him, that don't change the appointment. You still got the appointment. Is that right? So I can't die from a snake bite on this, who knows where this island even is. I can't die out here. I just can't die, period. I have an appointment in Rome I'm not done whatever it takes whatever healing it takes whatever restoration whatever miracle it takes well that's God's part Well, somebody said that's God's part that's God's part that'll have to happen because I got to get there and I have to do this between here and there and I'm in agreement with him if he says I'm going I'm going and I won't believe anything else no matter how how much of an expert they are in whatever field. Not disrespecting them, but God's bigger than they are. In flying, there's a lot of things to learn. But one thing is landing. You know? Takeoffs are optional. Landings are mandatory. (laughs) And landings are one of the most challenging parts of flying. Yeah. I know when I first started learning how to fly, I had the instructor in there with me, and he, one, one day he gets out, and I thought we're done, and he shuts the door. He says, no, now you go fly again. I'm supposed to go fly by myself. It's called solo. And I'm supposed to take off and fly around the patch and come back and land. Well, you know, you've been doing this, so okay, you get up. And then when it comes time to land, boy, that airport looks so small <laughs> from up here. And as you come down, uh, it, it, it takes a while to, to learn this, maybe. But one thing that eventually I saw: I can't look where I am. I've got to look where I want to land. Right, right. Because you know, as I'm going, you, you know, you pull the yoke up, and the houses get smaller. You put the yoke down, houses get bigger. You know what I mean by that? You get closer to them. And so, uh, as you're going down, you're like, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> these trees are getting closer, and these houses are getting bigger, and there's the, there's the runway, and there's the end of the runway. And you don't want to be too high, and you don't want to be too low, and you don't want to be too fast, and you don't want to be too slow, and you don't want to be left, you don't want to be right, you want to be just right. And, and so you get to looking, you get to looking, and the tendency is to try to rush it and try to make it happen and to fixate on where you are and you go, Am I high? Am I low? But that's not how it works. You got to pick that spot out on the runway, 1,000 feet from the end, and that's where I want my wheels to touch down. Are y'all with me? And you need to set up a stable approach. None of this stuff. <laughs> Steady, three degree, on speed, right? And you're, you're not looking here. How many understand you're not looking out here? They teach you, and it's true, wherever you look, you tend to turn without meaning to. Everything about you is programmed to go where you look. Spiritually, naturally, Everything's programmed to go where you look. And we shouldn't try to look where we are because we're already there. Especially if I'm not in a good place. I don't, I don't look here. I don't want to stay here. I want to be there. So what do I do? Fix your gaze on things above. Hallelujah. Not on things beneath. Right? Set, set your, your focus on the author and finisher of your faith. I've said this, but I want to repeat it. In closing, I think. It's not your job to make the cancer stop. It's not your job to recreate your organs or your bone marrow or to make AIDS leave you. You can't you're not the healer what's your job Jesus said according to your faith be it unto you now he tells you to speak to something you speak to it yes but even then it's not your power it's his power that does the work but so many times if you got a problem you fixate on that problem and if you fixate on that problem you're not going anywhere you're not going to get better if you think about cancer morning, noon, and night, you're not going to get better. If all you do is talk about the symptoms and the possible treatments and the bad report and all your focus is on maybe getting a better report, then your faith is more in the natural report than in anything God has ever said to you. you walk in by sight completely and, and not by faith. What should you do? <laughs> what did Paul do? He's in the belly of that ship. They've been rolling and tossing and turning turning for all these days. All hope that they should be saved was gone. And then he heard from God. I said he heard from the Lord. He got another report. He got another word. What did the Lord say? You've got an appointment, boy. I'm paraphrasing. You, You must preach in Rome. So what's he doing? He's not looking here anymore even when a poisonous viper latches on to him with no emergency room around. No antivenom, no doctor. In fact, all the natives looked at him and went, uh-oh, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Because they thought, that's the snake you don't want to bite you, and he got us. Awesome. And, and so they decided he must be a bad guy because he dodged the storm, but the snake got him. But after a while, He didn't swell up, he didn't choke, he didn't fall out and die, and they thought, who, who is this guy? It wasn't just the guy, it was the God. What did he say? The angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve. He's got his focus, his flight path vector, is on Rome. Is that right? And nothing can kill me. <laughs> not a hurricane? Not a poisonous snake? Not crazy people? Right? Yes. This is how you overcome seemingly impossible diagnosis and situations. Come on, are y'all with me? This, this is it's not you going, I gotta fix this, I gotta fix this. You can't fix this. It's not too big for you. You get busy about hearing from him and then put everything you got into what He told you. Is that right? And and confident in Him. I'm making plans to do what He said we're going to do. I'm taking steps to do. I'm not getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to live and finish my course and run my race. Whatever it takes to get me there, I'm trusting Him to do. If it takes Him recreating my heart, then that's what it takes. If it takes Him dematerializing something in my body then I'm trusting whatever it takes day in, day out that he will do it. That's happening. Right? I believe I receive whatever it takes. But I'm not fixated on what's wrong and what's broken or on the bad report. Hallelujah. You won't see the provision looking at the bills. You won't see the miracle looking at the problem. You got to learn like I had to learn. Ooh, I'm high. Ooh, I'm low. Ooh, 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 ooh. Whoo! that was a gust of wind. Oh, is the engine okay? Oh, 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 oh. I got to be cool. Where am I landing? Not in these trees. (laughs) Not, Not on these houses. I see that spot. I see that spot. It's that nice paved runway right over there. Yep, about a thousand feet down there. That's where I'm, I'm not looking at the end. I'm not looking at the other end. I'm not looking at the sides. I'm looking at that spot. And everything is working to follow what I'm looking at, and to put me. Next thing you know, er, er, <laughs> looking good. How <laughs> many know God is big? He can cause you to land right on the spot. Right on. The, er, er, we call him a greaser. Right on the spot where you need to. God is bigger than anybody. He's bigger than anything. He's bigger than any disease. He's bigger than anybody that would try to perpetrate a crime against you. He's bigger than anything. And if he says he wants to keep you and you do something for him and you finish something for him, agree with him. Right? And, and don't focus on the problem, but focus on whatever it takes to get you there. That's what's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you'll find I've seen this in case after case. People stopped getting worse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And started getting better. Yes, I've seen things happen in an afternoon, I've seen things that happened over the course of six months. But still, praise God. Progress is progress, right? You're going in the right direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you want to be completely like Abraham, completely, fully persuaded that he who's begun a good work in me, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is the author of my faith. He is the finisher of my faith. Come on, stand up with me and say this out loud. Say it like you mean it. Because there will be some trials and tests in life. But you are an overcomer. There will be some challenges, but you are more than a conqueror. Somebody say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Oh, praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, Paul said this also in Acts. It goes right along with this, and it's, uh, it's something that I've said over myself numerous times. Acts 20, 24. There were a number of things he was dealing with. But he said this, but none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. There's all kind of things, close your eyes, there's all kind of things vying for your attention, yelling, demanding your thought time. But I want you to say it out loud, none of these things move me neither count I my life dear to myself. Whether I live or die, I belong to the Lord. Hallelujah. But I will, by the grace of God, run my race and finish my course with joy. God is more than enough to sustain me me. and bring it to pass. pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands, begin to thank him. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me.